When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Rick Bobro and Austin Underground. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. And Bobby wants to know what you're drinking. Jerry wants to know where you're checking from. Whoa, whoa, Blake, Blake, you already, you already missed the lead in. It's what National Margarita Day. <laughs> Bobby, what's what do you you have? Coffee or a margarita? I've got uh, I've got coffee, my okay. man. Well, that's a mistake. I've got coffee hazelnut this morning. <laughs> Green Mountain. That's that's what I'm checking in with. Well, hey guys, we're only 26 days now away right. from spring football. We're Down down is early on, <laughs> but uh, recruiting, lots going on in recruiting, just like we talked about yesterday. But Jerry, I know you posted a lot more since then over on ontexasfootball.com, including some visitors. What's the latest there? Yeah, so uh, last night uh, we broke the news that Kelshawn Johnson, the four-star receiver out of Hitchcock, uh, he'll be uh, on campus April 6th. Why that's meaningful is that's the offensive weekend. CJ and I talked about this on the recruiting breakdown. Texas has had weekends like this before where it's offensive guys one weekend in the spring, defensive guys the next. That April 6th weekend is lining up to be offensive guys. Uh, Tyler Thomas, we broke that news two days ago, I think that Tyler Thomas was going to be in April 6th. John Mills, the offensive lineman out of San Francisco, is going to be in April 6th. So now Kelshawn Johnson's going to be in April 6th. We're sitting on another name. We're waiting uh, for a prospect to tell us what, uh, he's good to go on it. Um, so there's another guy out there that's a really talented player that's also going to be in on April 6th, but we'll wait for the go-ahead there. Um, but then we put out this morning on ontexasfootball.com, K.J. Lacey, not only is he coming in on April 6th, he's coming back for the spring game April 20th. So for the Texas fans worried about that commitment status, that doesn't mean Ole Miss and Auburn have backed off. But he did cancel that Ole Miss visit that first weekend in February, and now he's going to be in Austin twice. The reason that April 6th uh, weekend is big is he's reaching out to some other targets uh, and, and kind of setting up you know, th them meeting up there for that uh, visit weekend, April 6th. So KJ Lacey doing some recruiting in the class right now, be on campus twice, along with the June 28th through 30th official visit. It's not out there publicly, but that's the date a lot of these big time uh, targets are going to be in. Um, you know, Fasusi, Tyler Thomas, um, KJ Lacey, Kelshawn Johns, and Kelsh Texas has talked to Kelshawn about that visit weekend. Nobody, Texas just hadn't 
locked those uh, in uh, yet. Uh, maybe they've locked them in privately. They're not out publicly. Let's say that. Uh, then Michael Fasusi, five-star from Louisville High. He's coming in April 9th with his family. Why that's big is, you know, he gets – Texas will have had a lot of guys on campus that April 6th, 7th weekend. Fasusi's going to come in midweek with his family, so he'll have the entire attention of the Texas offensive staff because that's a real recruiting battle with Oklahoma, A&M, Missouri, uh, LSU, Oregon. Uh, a lot of people are, and I think Texas and OU were in the best position all season, and I still think they are right now. Uh, Sark, by the way, Sark and staff members were by all these schools in January. Um, it, it, it was pretty – Interesting to see where Sark popped up in January, and I think it's kind of following that pattern of who these top targets are. Uh, Jerry, another thing that happened in recruiting tangentially, right, is Chris Gilbert's return uh, to the Longhorns. Yesterday uh, afternoon, news broke from Football Scoop, which is a uh, a big-time news and notes uh, uh, site uh, that covers coaching moves in the profession. They mentioned that uh, Chris Gilbert would be leaving uh, or was in the uh, process of leaving North Texas where he was an on-field assistant to return to the University of Texas. Well, late last night, I think around 8.30, the University of Texas tweeted out that Chris Gilbert is indeed returning to the university as special assistant to the head coach. Why is this important? Why are we even talking about a guy that's being, being named the special assistant to the head coach? Well, Chris Gilbert is the former head coach at Lancaster High School. He went to South Oak Cliff High School. And frankly, he's one of the reasons why Steve Sarkeesian, Jeff Banks, those guys have had so much success in South Dallas uh, over the last several recruiting cycles. Uh, He helped set that up. He moved on for an on-field position at North Texas last year. Now he returns as the special assistant, the head coach. He was previously the director of high school relations. And I wrote on an article this morning, like what does hire really mean on, on Texas football, Jerry, his, his reach far exceeded his grasp as director of high school relations, his first year at Texas, right, Jerry, he had his hands in everything from recruiting uh, to uh, helping set up Sark with different people around the state, all of this stuff. It wasn't just about high school relations with him. I think it's a very, very important. Not only did Sark elevate uh, people like Brandon Harris and Taylor Searles, he also brings back somebody now in Chris uh, Gilbert uh, that helps replace Billy Glasscock in his departure to Ole Miss. They needed another person that what I call had institutional knowledge, right? He can hit the ground running. It's not a guy you hire and he has to figure out where, you know, McComb's business school is next week to take a a recruit on a visit or go see a parent. The issue that I believe here is this allows Texas to keep the train on the track, right? And allows them to keep running it at a high rate. Uh, I think it's a terrific hire. He knows, he knows how the sausage is made and that's half the battle in college sports. It really is. Yeah. I've always said, uh, I've always given Jeff Banks a lot of credit on this one because when, when Sark got to, um, Texas and Banks uh, came with them. Obviously, they knew they needed to win in DFW, and it was Jeff Banks' idea to bring in uh, Chris Gilbert. So um, I, I think Gilbert. I think it's good he's coming back. Um, you know, people are already asking DK more to Texas. And NIL still rules. Okay, more than any hire like this. To be clear, I mean 
Chris Gilbert wasn't at Texas and Colin Simmons went to Texas. Okay. So let's just be real about that while also giving credit uh, for how locked in and tied in Jeff Banks and Chris Gilbert are in DFW area. Uh, but I always want to be real about these things. So no, that hire doesn't equal DeCorian Moore flipping the Texas. That's not what that comes down to. But here's why it's a big hire. Because A&M's now targeting DFW under Elko. They think they have to do better there. And I think Sark countered that a little bit uh, with this move. Um, and Corey Raymond being back at LSU, they're, they're going to, LSU's got a little juice in DFW. Now they bring Raymond back. So um, I think it was a very good hire to get him back. I think it solidifies everything they were doing in DFW, which is why Texas, I think, is returned um, to three straight top five classes. It's a big reason why, because th that I-20 and DFW area is so talented in Texas right now. So those are huge hire. Does it mean Guys are going to start flipping and things like that. No, it doesn't. That's not how recruiting works, but it's a big, big hire for Texas. Hey, guys, something that I wanted to discuss yesterday that uh, seemed to get a lot of traction on social media and even over at OnTexasFootball.com is uh, an early betting line has come out for Texas and OU. And I'm going to bring it up here. Let me fix this a little bit. But Texas, a 10-and-a-half-point early favorite against the Sooners. Just curious y'all's thoughts on that. And then we'll look at the other two early betting lines. That have been. I know what Bobby's thoughts are. Go ahead. <laughs> My thoughts are, I love it. Um, but uh, let's let's see him play. Let's put it out there. I mean, after 49 to nothing, Texas took the L last year, uh, right? Uh, so uh, I feel like, look, Jackson Arnold is going to have to grow up relatively quickly at OU. They're going to try to put him in win situations or winning situations as a young quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, but I, I do think Texas should be favored by that amount, uh, at least. Uh, I will say I'm a little anxious to see where Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian come out versus the OU defense next year. OU, if you remember correctly, Jerry and, and Blake, they did some things early in that game that kind of confused Quinn. Okay, now he came on and ended up, doing really well over the last two and a half, three quarters. But, but let's see how that goes. Uh, I, I like it. Hey, I want to add one more thing to, to what you guys were saying earlier um, about the recruiting in the DFW area. Uh, my friend Sam Kahn uh, had an article in The Athletic yesterday about recruiting in the Houston area. So we just talked about, he was talking about who are the top guys, top recruiting uh, folks in the, in the, uh, um, in the area, Blake Gideon's name came up multiple times from high school coaches. Very interesting, as did Jeff Banks. And yes. one guy said, it seems to me that if they really want somebody, Jeff Banks gets a phone call on his, goes by and it sees him at least once. No doubt. So Jeff, Jeff Banks is getting a, a, a name out there as kind of that uh, number one guy in, in some respect for uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Not something that we didn't anticipate or whatever, but I want to add that in. Jerry, what about that Texas OU uh, game? What did, what did you think of that uh, prediction? Ten and a half points for this. Well, season. somebody said somebody said in the chat a comment, super, uh, suckers bet, because that's <laughs> – and so, look, that line is set high, right? There's going to be a lot of money coming on OU, so that line's going to move down, right? But uh, I, I'm not a big betting guy um, at all, uh, like at all. Um, so, you know, I, sometimes I just don't even really look at that stuff. Um, 
I, the first three games, four games of the season are going to tell me this story. What you mentioned, the total new offensive line for Oklahoma, essentially, and a first-year starting quarterback. Um, now, they have a lot of players back on defense, 10 of their top 12 leading tacklers, and some really good players, some draft picks in that group, by the way. How are they going to look on the interior defensively? So, I mean, I think how Jackson Arnold plays, because Oklahoma has five of their top six receivers back next year as of today. We'll see, You never know what happens after the spring portal period. But as of today, um, lost a couple of running backs in the portal to graduation. Um, they got the kid from Colorado back who's more of a slasher, skinnier guy. So I I, I would th- would definitely favor Texas in the game. I'm not sure what I would set a number at. Uh, in a rivalry game like that, I, I'm not so sure. I mean, what was the line the year Texas beat Mac, uh, Oklahoma beat Mac, Mac Brown 63-14? I mean, oh. what was the line that year? It probably wasn't 49. Um, it so- wasn't 63-14. <laughs> I mean, there were a couple of bad ones for Mac. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, look, I think Texas – I think Texas should cover against OU. I'll just I'll be blunt. I mean, I'm I'm not OU is not the team uh that you circle on this. I think the one that's going to be interesting is AM because the rekindling of the rivalry this year. I mean, Texas theoretically should be better than OU. Period. Yeah. They should be. They have more experience, etc. Um, but I I think the AM one is going to be one that is just hell, it's circled. I mean, what 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 do you want to call it? I mean, I look. It's been eleven years since twenty thirteen since Texas played OU. All right, since Texas played A and M. Yeah. So I I I don't know what else to say. Um, that's the game. If that's the game that I'm going to have butterflies on at, before the game, during the game, and probably even after the game. So <laughs> I knew that I'd get some comments in the chat. So, uh, but. <laughs> Look, uh, I was just looking. I was just thinking of historically. I didn't want to go two years ago to forty nine. Think about the blowouts in this rivalry too. I mean, what were the lines those years? I mean, it's like that's why I just don't pay attention to it much in the rivalry games. Um, but I wanted to comment on the Houston stuff. I, Blake Gideon, man, he, he's put in his work there in, in that south uh, south of downtown area of Houston. Um, so he, he's he's doing a good job there because every time I go out to a high school, he's been there as much as he can. Per, per NCAA rules. So, um, you know, I, th- he's doing a good job there. And that's a spot on about Jeff Banks, right? I mean, Jeff Banks is a spot recruiter. Now, he, there's certain areas in DFW, um, certain areas of Houston, that North Houston area, that Westfield, Decaney, those areas, he's going to be, uh, that's going to be his area. Um, but he, he's a spot recruiter both in Texas and nationally. Uh, so to Sam, the point in Sam Khan's article is, if you see him show up somewhere, pretty pretty good sign that you know a guy's a top target for Texas. Uh, before we move on, Bobby, why don't you tell folks out there about Rick Bobro and Austin Underground? Yeah, absolutely. Rick's a good friend, and I appreciate his sponsorship of coffee and football, helping us bring uh, not only guys like uh, Jerry Hamilton and Blake Monroe to your uh, uh, television screen or uh, computer screen every morning, but other aspects of our uh, coffee and football and on Texas football as well. Since 2004, Austin Underground and Rick Bravo have specialized in difficult underground commercial installations. The team's engineering background gives Austin Underground the ability to perform work other firms often consider too risky. Rick and his team offer an end-to-end client experience, including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work each and every time, that's Austin Underground. They also operate Texas Road. Uh, Texas Road is uh, the top 
uh, road construction firm in the city of Austin. Uh, give them a call or look them up online, Austin Underground or Texas Road. Rick Vavro and his team know how to get things done. Bring up Zane Petty's at 827. I think this is the key point about the future. That's it. That's it. I mean, think about, look, I thought I, I've thought for years wandering through the Big 12 was like, you know, it's a wander through the wilderness in terms of getting excited about football games other than Oklahoma. Right. Um, this is the big change for me. No matter if Arkansas is down, uh, where A&M's at, um, you, those rivalries are still back on an annual basis. And I think that is great for Texas fans. Great for college football. I just love everything about this SEC move. Um, starting with the rivalry games, then you go to, and I know te Texas, some Texas fans are, don't even consider Arkansas a rivalry, but you know, Ark, it is and Arkansas considers it a rivalry. That, that's what you got to understand is Arkansas considers it a rivalry. So you better bring it. Um, but the, the, trips Texas fans get to make in the SEC in the future years. That's what all has me excited about this move. Um, more than just being in the best conference with the best players, be able to recruit from Texas East to Florida up into the Carolinas and now up into the DMV, which Texas is dabbling in now, is who you play and where you play. It, it's just such a different feeling than wandering through the wilderness of the Big 12. I, I, got it. I agree with you completely about the – uh, sexiness of the of the SEC and who you play. Um, what I've always found interesting. So I went to school at a time at Texas when Texas still played Arkansas. Neither team, though, was well. Texas had one run in I think '91 with the Cotton Bowl. Um, neither team at that time was an elite program. What I've found, Jerry, if you are 50, 55, 50 yeah. plus, you understand that Texas. If you're 50 years old plus, you understand that Texas and Arkansas used to be a very heated rival. You get it, okay? If you're 45 and below, you don't necessarily get it. It, it was never that big a deal to you, okay? But I, I, I'm i telling you, I went with the football team into Fayetteville one time, Jerry, and it ain't that is not an easy place for Texas to play. Um, there's a lot of hate there. Uh, you mentioned A&M and OU. I do believe the last 10 years, I, I almost think that some of the problems that Texas had was not that they're always the hunted uh, in the Big 12, because they, even though they were, you know, everybody gives Texas their best shot kind of uh, scenario. Well, I mean, now other teams are going to be used to that and, and getting that in the SEC as opposed to just Texas. Right. And, and I feel like that alone uh, it, it's going to put Texas in more situations where they're playing like-minded institutions. I mean, they're no offense to TCU and Baylor, but those are smaller private schools, right, Jerry? Yep. They're they're not big public schools that represent entire states like Oklahoma, Arkansas, LSU, Georgia, Florida, um, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky. Those are state schools, Bobby. Entire states. To it's your point, let's go the other way. People, kids that are kids, guys, girls, whatever, in their 20s right now, they either have gone to AM recently, gone to Texas recently. They've never experienced an AM Texas. Okay. So they don't really fully understand because that was taken away from the last, what, 13 years? 
they don't even fully understand what's in front of them and how good this actually is for the state of Texas in football. I, and I know I get hit on, I got hit, take some shots from Texas fans a lot, but I think it's huge for football in the state of Texas that these two teams play. I, I think it adds more to football in the state, whether that's a Thursday night JV game, a Friday night high school game, or Saturday college game. It, it The talk is coming back. You can already feel it. And it's been gone for a while. I want to say this, too. I, I talked to people that played in the 60s, Jerry, at Texas, or fans that were in the 60s. Arkansas was a, as big, if not bigger, rivalry than both A&M and OU at that time. Yep. So it's funny you say that. I have a family member that was actually played baseball for UT back in the late 60s, early 70s. He was a catcher. And uh, they went to the 1969 game in Arkansas. Texas, of course, famously won, came back. Um, but they wouldn't, and I think even Dennis says it here, they wouldn't sell them gas <laughs> when, when they left, you know, like they, they had to get out of state to get gas. And Dennis Dorsey says, I'm 72. I hate Arkansas. The fans would not sell us gas. One place would not let us use the restroom, prepare thyself <laughs> for the road trip. So it's definitely real. I, you know, this, this Arkansas conversation has me thinking about. So yesterday we talked about brothers that went to the same school, Nick, Joey, Bosa, all these guys. This year when Texas plays Arkansas, Landon Jackson's going to be a senior edge player at oh. Arkansas, and his little brother Lance is going to be a Texas commitment, and they live in Texarkana. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that for a Texas-Arkansas game in recruiting. I, I just have a problem with you calling Lance Jackson a little anything. He's 6'5". <laughs> and those 95. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, that's an interesting qualifier, little brother. Uh, I, think, I think we got – Bobby, I think your video is frozen. Oh, we can Bobby's, hear you, though. Bobby's frozen, but we there can – There we go. He's back. <laughs> He's uh, asking is Jaquindon Jackson be a QB or running back for Arkansas running back. They recruited the uh, Boise recruited blah. Uh, well, it probably, I mean, who knows, uh, but the quarterback for Boise that transferred to Arkansas, um, he's going to play quarterback at Arkansas. He's from Louisville high, obviously JQ Jackson from Duncanville. So uh, JQ Jackson will play running back for the uh, Razorbacks and they're running back. They're very talented running back. Rocket Sanders transferred to South Carolina. Hey, how many offensive linemen did they lose, though? They all, all five projected starters are transfers. Now, they're not all just coming in now, the spring transfers, but all five guys are transfers. But you know what? I'm not even saying that's a bad thing for Arkansas because Sam Pittman, like beating ball. He's an O-line coach. Yeah. 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 So if they evaluate and bring in a transfer, it's probably an, you know it's an upgrade for them. And we, this has actually sparred some conversation here. So we'll get to some of these uh, questions regarding AM and Arkansas, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so let's do this one from Champ Bailey 3. What will be a tougher game for Texas, OU or AM? I think AM. I agree. I, I, mean, I, I think that they've got more talent on defense that are older. They've got pieces on offense that are pretty good. Jerry, we were talking about this. AM's running backs are as good as Texas, if not better. I mean, they've got Amari Daniels, Le'Veon. I think Le'Veon Moss still there. Or did he transfer? Reuben Owens. They've got good running backs. Uh, if Wegman can actually make it through a season healthy, 
I mean, well, they've got pieces. To me, that's the key. So it's hard for me to gauge the A&M game now because you want to see what does that offensive line look like late in the year because they got to stay healthy. They lack depth. And then what does Wingman look like in new system in the year? Um, so th- that one's harder for me to – I'd say right now Oklahoma, um, as far as the game itself on the grass, the venue obviously playing at A&M is going to be very difficult for Texas because they haven't done it before. And it's, I mean, it's going to be a charged up, raucous atmosphere. I mean, this is a long time coming type of game. And and by the way, I think AM's putting every egg in every basket into this game this year. Shit. You bet. They're putting everything into this game. So, I mean, it's going to be white out, maroon out, everything out uh, at College Station for that game. And then Archmania says, how deep is OU this year, though? I'm not sure how long they hold up this season. They got a lot of replacing to do. Well, they got they're, They are replacing their entire starting offensive line. Uh, they're replacing Dylan Gabriel, um, who's off the, the – The thing run, that they got – That depth had to be replaced. Yeah, but they've got – Their big issue, I think, is that they're going to be better on defense. I mean, Peyton, Peyton Bowen is good. Billy yeah. Bowman is good. Danny Stutzman is good. Nick. They've got guys on defense are going to play NFL football. Deshaun McCullough, uh, no matter, he is going to be a draft pick um, yep. and he can really run. And he's got so a lot of guys in year two in this system, year two and year three. Uh, yeah, they're definitely going to be better on defense. I think their season may come down to we talk about Texas defensive line, right? I think Texas defensive line is in a better place than Oklahoma's defensive line moving into SEC. So what what does Oklahoma look like in the trenches throughout a season in the SEC is going to be interesting for them. All right, Joe, we have a couple of super chats we need to get to. We'll start with this one from Stephen Shell, and he says, will the college football playoff reseed after the first round of playoffs? This, this is a good one, Stephen, because we can talk about a couple things with the college football playoff, one of which came up last night. Um, first of all, they do not reseed after the first round, is my understanding, as it currently sits. Okay, so that's number one. That answers that question. Uh, Pete Thamel of ESPN reported last uh, yesterday afternoon that the CFP committee that's meeting in, I think, Las Colinas in Dallas uh, this week, Uh, brought up the idea of expanding the playoffs from 12 teams to 14 starting in 2026. So, you know, that five and seven type of atmosphere where we are seeding, where we said five conference champions and seven at large. Now they may be looking at five and nine. And the other thing that apparently is on the table, according to some reporting, is minimum number of bids for major conferences i.e. the SEC and the Big Ten. So instead of just guaranteeing one spot for the SEC, they might guarantee as many as four. You come in the top four in the conference in the SEC, you could be going to the playoffs. Now, at 12, you would think that that would be rare, but this is the possibility. I love it. I mean, look, it could be out of a a 14-team draw Eight of them are SEC and Big Ten teams. The other piece of it that I thought was interesting, they're also talking about um, unequal revenue sharing between the leagues. It had been where every all leagues got the same amount with the CFP, not anymore. They're talking about uh, the SEC and the Big Ten taking more than 
80% of the rest, not 80%, it was at 80% equally shared. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but they're reaching into that and trying to grab a bigger piece of that pie as well they should. All right, our next super chat here is from Juan, and he says USC just lost their running back coach. Don't be surprised if they go after choice hard and make Texas pay up for him. What are y'all's thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that would not be a surprising scenario. Uh, not, I don't think to short choice is going anywhere, but I could see a scenario where somebody comes in and tries to hire him, and that gets him in a little another little bump. I don't, I, 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 say- I, I don't think Tashard's going anywhere in college football unless it's a head coaching job. I, I want to add this. I mean, he was hired by USC to be their running back coach for about a week. Yeah, spent two, spent two tanks of gas getting there and back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so he left Georgia Tech and immediately went to USC, and then Sark called and he changed to Texas. Um, and you also have to remember, I mean, Tashard played for the Dallas Cowboys. He's got some ties to the, te- the state of Texas. Yeah. He doesn't have any tie that West like that. Blake, I can't believe you brought that up. I always get jealous when Jay Archer chimes in. I want to know where everybody's coming from, but that one always <laughs> makes me a little. Well, Check go, it. go ahead back to choice for just a second. Hey, guys. <laughs> I know you, said that you don't think he's going anywhere, but Nathan says, should there be any concern with him taking the Georgia running back coach positions? Seems like that would be the only college job to worry about given his ties to the state of Georgia. I haven't heard him associated with it, Bobby. So I, I don't I don't know what to say um, on that one. Good, the good thing, hey, look, Tashard Choice is a great coach. Yes. And uh, a great recruiter. And I think that people should, you know, is he going to be a target of, of teams like that? I would if I were Kirby Smart or if I were Lincoln Riley. Uh, but you got to remember, Steve Sarkeesian has a pretty good track record of keeping guys that he wants to keep. Um, I don't think college coaches are already in a nomadic profession as it is. They are on, I mean, they look, I mean, they could move 10 times in 12 years, right? So when they get into a situation where they think they can stay for a while, there's a lot of pull from their family to stay for a while, to go to the same element for their kids to go to the same elementary school the entire time. Some some things that a lot of us take for granted. I mean, the, those guys have, have been ultra successful and still have 10 different employers through 25 years. That's really rare. Um, and so I think people, you know, there are guys out there that just want to be mercenaries and go to the highest bidder. I don't see that as Tashard choice. That doesn't strike me as his game plan. Uh, we're gonna by, by the way, I, I think ahead. one of the keys that we saw in January with Tashar Choice in Texas, Sark took him. I think he's elevating uh, his role somewhat at Texas because he's he was on the road with Sark. He was at Louisville High School, for instance, with Kyle Flood and Sark to see Michael Fasusi. So Tashar Choice is clearly elevating uh, in his role at Texas, outside running back coach and tremendous recruiter in that Orlando Southwest corridor of Florida, uh, which he's recruited for years and trying to help Texas get into the Metro Atlanta area, Atlanta Metro area. He's, he's seeing his role increase under Sark for sure. And I think what that's doing guys is preparing him to be a head coach in college. I, I think that is the main thing I look at is, you know, I, I think head coach in college 
is probably the move you see him make whenever he's ready. We're going to jump back over to the college football playoff uh, discussion because that's part of some good questions here. And Ski Breck says, I don't know what to think of the unequal share. Do we want to kill the Big 12 and the ACC? Do we? Is it good for college football? Well, Bobby, you, Bobby, you want to take out Brett Yormark, right? <laughs> <laughs> he just needs to go the way of the Dodo bird. It's not so much that I don't want to take him out. It just He needs to like fade into a you know, irrelevance, which is where he belongs. I, I think that my, my bigger piece is not that you want to kill the big 12 or, or the ACC. I don't want to, you, you don't want to do that, but I have no, no problem with the unequal share whatsoever. I mean, look, $30 million that the big 12 is going to make isn't zero. It's just not 75 or a hundred. Right. Um, and so I don't have a problem with those schools getting less um, I would have a problem to your point, Jerry and Blake uh, and, and Ski Breck, if they cease to exist. Now, I, I still think there are some schools that are in the Big 12 and ACC uh, that necessarily don't want to compete at the highest level, like a Texas or Ohio State or an Alabama or Florida or Georgia or Penn State or Notre Dame or USC or, or Washington or Oregon. There, there are teams that are, and, and I, it's hard to sit here and pick out Wake Forest, for example, right? But are how committed are they really in football? Um, Boston College, how committed are they? Oh, well, we're going to play, you know. I, I, I feel like that's and, – and that's why you see that Boston College head coach leave for a coordinator's position in the NFL. You didn't – I mean, how committed is UCLA right now? Not much. And that's that's the other issue that I have is – you know, part of this is on the schools to actually want to be part of this. I mean, I, that's, I, I will say this. I, I applaud SMU right now for trying. Yeah. They want to be, they clearly want to be a part of it. They're taking no money from the ACC for what? Is it 10 years? Wow. I mean, to make sure they, they, they are part of this. So, hey, by the way, Bobby, if that doesn't tell you, the, where college football's headed, SMU doing that, just try to have a seat at the table, nothing will. I agree. I mean, I, the financial move that was for the SMU alumni to make that move to stay in, to have a chance to have a seat at the table in college football in the future. You think you think Boston College would do that or Wake Forest? No. I, I don't think so. I mean, that, that's my point is – Let's let's figure out who wants to compete. I don't I don't have this axe to grind against the Big 12 or the ACC. Far far from it. I just want you know the people that are at the table to actually want to be at the table and fully committed, like the other ones that are at the table too. And and I know you're not going to get perfect. Uh, nobody's going to get perfect situation there, but that's what we want. That's that's what will elevate the game ultimately and make the game better. I've said for a while, I, I agree with a, um, a, a coaching friend, college coaching friend, where I think this is ultimately headed is two 24-team power leagues and the rest are going to go to spring football. I think that's where this is going to head long term. I don't know what that when that year is, uh, but I think that's where we're headed. And then we have I one just, other. Oh, go ahead. I got to say this. I would watch spring football over NBA basketball. And I know I'm different than a lot of people that love basketball, but I can't, I just can't, I can't get into NBA basketball because they're, 
it's like they play no defense, Jerry. I mean, I, I don't even know what traveling is anymore, you know, from when I play. I mean, it's just different. I think, I think a spring college league would do very well in college football. No. And you're only competing against what the – Whatever the XFL is now, uh, UFL, I think I mean, is what, it, is what look, it's called. This is where we may as well go to a group of five, uh, uh, FCS national championship, a group of five national championship, and the big boy national championship. That's where this thing is headed long term. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And then going back to uh, as far as who gets guaranteed to get into the college football playoffs, David Williams says the best team should compete for the title. I do understand conference champions, but there should be no other guarantees other than the best teams in the nation reaching the playoffs. What if there's a nine games league uh, in the SEC, though? Nine game conference schedule and your number three team or four team in the SEC has three losses. You know, I. I disagree with that, Dave. I, I think that there are going to be certain leagues, if they go to nine-game schedules, should be guaranteed more people into it, especially if they increase it to 14 teams. No. Somebody asked about K.J. Lacey. Do I think he's underranked? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know on that. I, You know, let's see. The rankings in this class, they adjust so much between now and January of senior year. So, um you know, I said this last year with all the D line guys, offensive line guys that are late, latest to develop, later to develop on physically. So Rankins right now, more of a grain of salt person as far as a national look at it. This stuff plays out over time. But what I'll say about KJ Lacey is, uh, I, I've seen him in person three times, and I think he's got he, he's got everything you want in a college quarterback. I'll say that. Um, there's a reason that Sark targeted him. Uh, and made him his guy in 2025. I think he's got he's got a point guard and quarterback mind out there who's a point guard in basketball. He's got the feet of a basketball player that played point guard in the pocket, outside the pocket. He's a pocket guy. And I'm not saying he's going to be Bryce Young, but he's similar in that he's a pocket guy. He's a passer, first, second, third. And he'll he'll run when that's the last option. But he wants to throw the football he can make all the throws. Sark does not recruit guys that can't make all the throws. He said it. It's evident in anybody they've recruited at quarterback. He can make all the throws. Um, you know, he can be an off-platform guy. He can change his he, – he, he has the little Matt Stafford, Quinn Ewers flick when he has to, 
Looks like he's turning to at shortstop. He's got all the goods. He's played big-time football there at Sarah Land, been the two straight state titles, won the state titles sophomore year, lost in a state title game last year. Um, he's playing a lot of big games. He's got the sport. And the, one of the biggest takeaways for me with like a quarterback when I'm around those guys, talking to a, the head coach who is a very good college quarterback and played briefly in the CFL at Sarah Land, and then people around the kid, is does he have a sports mind? at quarterback sports mind Bobby is so important to me and I and by that I mean can he go if we went and played pickleball together would he pick it up fast and just roll with it right anything he does sports he gets it with a sports mind I think that is so key at the quarterback position I, I'm, I'm good with that I think that's that's particularly it's a particularly important at quarterback yeah, like I, I don't necessarily think that's the case at every position on the football field, uh, but I do think I, I go back to a guy like Colt McCoy, who you know could be a scratch golfer if he wanted to be. Yeah, right. I mean, those guys that are really good, uh, they they have a sense about them. Um, you know, it, it's not so much about high end athleticism in the typical sense when you talk about that, Jerry. It's yeah. talking about functional athleticism, hand eye coordination. Um, processing speed, those sorts of things. I mean, processing speed is the new uh, comment that everybody's looking for from from uh, quarterbacks, and they're trying to determine it right by giving them all these kind of crazy uh, tests that they're doing now. And uh, so, processing speed, sports mindset, that sort of thing, kind of falls in the same category for me. And that, that's the thing. Like, I got something else that Blake can comment on too, but. You know, like when I say sports mind, like with quarterbacks, here's one of the things I, I if you take a guy out to a tennis court, he's going to understand foot placement. Now, you know, he may study it for a second and understand. Right. How do I how do I one play the sport? How do I maximize my movement and maximize myself in the sport in a short amount of time? Those are those guys you love. And I'm going to go back to a story that I thought was so interesting on quarterback recruiting. And if we ever get – I know Blake is close to Jarrett Stidham. If we ever get him on the show, I'm going to ask him about this. I was at a Baylor satellite camp years ago when Art Browse was the head coach. And and I asked a couple of guys about Jarrett Stidham um, and, their, and, and what they liked about Stidham. And, and Art was standing over there and heard me ask the question. And what was interesting was kind of his answer with quarterbacks. He said, I, you know, I like the guy, sometimes a guy that's a great quarterback on Friday nights, but if he goes to the basketball court, he may be the seventh man and he has to learn how to be a teammate and a role player. So he understands the role player part of this game as well, aside from being the star on a Friday night at the quarterback position. I thought that was an interesting way to look. And that was years ago, obviously. I was like, all right, that's pretty good. There's probably good reason this guy evaluates quarterbacks as well as anybody in the state uh, I've ever seen. So I was like, okay, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good answer. Not one I'd heard from another college coach. Well, we're going to talk more recruiting in just a second, but first, before we do, Bobby, tell folks out there about factor. And I got to say, I had their pork chop yesterday and it was absolutely amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Blake, you and I are on the same page about this stuff. Factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Make eating better every day very easy. Two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals 
that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. And when I say two minutes, you literally put it in the uh, microwave. And then two minutes later, I'm eating the garlic mushroom chicken today, Blake. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it literally is as easy as just taking it out of the uh, package, removing the cellophane on top and putting it in the microwave. Uh, look, uh, 35 different options a week to choose from. You can choose between six and 18 meals per week. My wife is, uh, like Jerry mentioned, my wife's stolen a couple of mine this week. Uh, it, it makes it flexible for your schedule, though, those six to 18 meals per week. So maybe you want to have you and your wife, or maybe just you, get as many or as few as you want. Uh, and then you can also pause and reschedule your deliveries. So if you get going on it and you're out of town for a week or two, no problem. Uh, just pause the delivery. Uh, there's no prep, no mess. The meals are uh, all uh, confined to a single container. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com forward slash Texas50 and use code Texas50 to get 50% off. This is a special offer. Code Texas50 at factormeals.com forward slash Texas50 to get 50% off. Again, uh, guys, I'm going with the garlic mushroom chicken later today. Uh, good stuff. They also have snacks, smoothies, and more. Uh, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day. They have breakfast, midday, and more. Hey, you know how serious Bobby's getting about this nutrition stuff and this how good this factor stuff is? I'm ordering him some Smediums of the On Texas football <laughs> shirt. Some Smediums that he's going to fit in by uh, August. There, I haven't been in a small medium shirt since <laughs> I like I don't know ninth grade. But good luck with that. Uh, that, that. That'll go on one arm these days, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I'm having the tomato basil. I think chicken today is what I'm having. But I forgot my wellness shot this morning. When you started reading it, it made me. It reminded me. So I got to do that after this. So we're gonna get back to some uh, recruiting talk here. And uh, E. Kim says, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. Any chances in 24 or 25 of a Duncanville versus DeSoto 6A Texas State Championship football game at Jerry World? And I actually answered this on OnTexasFootball.com. You don't have to wait till the state championship. They're both now in the District of Doom. Yeah. 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 Hill, Lancaster, Skyline. Uh, what was it, Mesquite Horn? I believe Jerry. Oh, Mesquite, how about Mesquite Horn? Oh, we're getting a new district. Oh, you're moving into that one. Have fun. <laughs> and even though they have a lot of talent, I, I, I gotta tell you, someday we'll we'll make a graphic here headed into the high school season. How many highly ranked players are going to be in that district? It's crazy, guys. It's crazy. But yes, they'll they'll play. They can just go ahead and uh, they can bring uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football, Greg Tepper, and all the guys can just hand out the state trophy a state championship trophy after that game, and then they could just play the rest of the season for fun, essentially. Uh, but no, it's not that easy. But just think about that district. So Mesquite Horn has Lamont Rogers, right? Top 300 ranked kid in the country on the offensive line. Um, Cedar Hill has the, the Coleman brothers, two Texas offers on the offensive line, right? Mesquite Horn also has a 26 kid that's a really talented safety. Markel Ford will be that level kid. Uh, but then you go to Duncanville. I mean – how many guys they have committed to SMU right now? How many guys they have committed? I mean, Keelan Russell's a really good quarterback. DeCorian Moore, five-star, committed to LSU currently. Um, you know, Kevin Ford, KJ Ford in 26. DeSoto, Tiger Ryden just committed to AM. Then you have the biggest, largest human playing high school football, Byron Washington. Uh, you just go down that list. Lancaster, Emmanuel Choice. I mean, 
There, think about the talent, Elijah Barnes, da- Dallas Skyline. Think, you can go to those games on a Friday night and see multiple top 300 level kids in the country. Yeah, that's insane. And multiple guys that will be in the NFL one day. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a tougher, more talentful no. in the state. Oh gosh, no. I mean, that's just nuts. So. Yeah. Let me give you a stat. That district will have more Division One signees than the entire state of Oklahoma. No question. <laughs> yeah, without now, a doubt. By, by the way, when does Duncanville and DeSoto play? You could that answers the same. Just those two teams, a, Oklahoma and Arkansas. I mean, I, I just I'm just throwing it out there. That that's how ridiculously talented people. It's hard to quantify. I mean, look. I mean, the state of Connecticut may only have 10 to 15 Division One players per year. I mean, I know Connecticut, I'm just throwing a state out there. Yeah. But one team to have more than that, <laughs> one high school team, you could go and, I mean, you could go through the entire state and not see 10 Division One players in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, Zane Petty, who do I have winning back 5A and 6A hoop state title? It's a good question. I need to look at that. I'm still – the one thing that's shocked me all year, and I'm not saying they're not good, they're good, but that Plano East is sitting there 33-0 and right now in the in DFW area. I mean, that's a – it's a tough region to get out of, but uh, tip of the hat for being 33-0 and right now at Plano East. I, I don't – I think people thought they were going to be good. I'm not sure people thought they'd be sitting at 32, 33-0, and whatever they are. Duncanville, young, young, two freshmen on varsity. They're – I think they're 18-9 and right now. Do we rule out Duncanville? I don't, but they seem like they're a little young this year. Um, but there, there's some really quality teams um, in 5A, 6A. I'm not, I think tonight I'm probably going to go watch Hitchcock play. They're in a second-round playoff game. Go watch Kelshawn Johnson play a little hoops and um, Lloyd-Jones committed to Texas Tech. Hey, I want to say this. You mentioned the, the Plano East team and all that. The women's basketball team now is 25-3. and three Without their best player. <laughs> yeah, without – well, I don't know if she's the best player anymore. Well, she TJ Ford, yeah, <laughs> she, would, she would have been, but I'm I'm telling you now, this no Madison Booker is very good, yeah, yeah. Um, long story short, though, they're they're now 25 and three, ranked number five in the country. Uh, Vic Schaefer, I don't know if y'all saw this, but he was not happy with their performance against Texas Tech last night and went on a typical Vic Schaefer "woe is me" rant. You don't win by being cool. Cool gets you beat. Was the was and the fire. <laughs> and fired. Oh yeah, beat and fired. Right. By the way, uh, so I, when when coaches like that, Jerry, start talking like that, it makes me think that they feel like they've got a little something special in the bag. Yeah. Is that is that make, when they start talking off and popping off like that, it's because they're they're shooting for something out of their team that they think they could get out of them because they're so good and they That's got. Right. Them. Well, let's go think back to the Nick Saban era. He loved having a crappy performance against the middle of the road division one team so he could go back and coach them hard. Yeah, and that's kind of the way I, I look at that right now. Um, by the way, somebody Zane's asked about Plano East and Stony Point. Stony Point's only lost this year is to Plano East, I believe. So that you're talking about Stony Point 33 and one, Plano East 33 and oh. I'm pretty sure Stony Point's only loss is Plano East. I could be wrong. Hey Jerry, just to just to make you happy when you're talking about Jarrett Stidham, I texted him. He's coming on in the in the next few days. Oh, so. love it. I think that'll be awesome. <laughs> All 
All right, guys, we got some more recruiting questions here. Antoine says, how are we feeling about Lamont Rogers' recruitment? Jerry, did you see his hoops highlights? Yeah, I've watched a little bit. Um, you know, he's a guy that Texas likes. Um, I actually exchanged some messages with him two days ago. He doesn't have any spring visits plant locked in right now. Um, Texas, will te he's a guy that Texas is evaluating, right? I mean, he's on the board. Is he the number two offensive tackle behind a Fasusi? I think that remains to be seen the spring evaluation period. Uh, but he's definitely on the board. He's on that LSU board. He's on that AM board. Uh, he's on all those boards. Uh, Jonte Newman, I think, is high on the board for Texas. Um, obviously, Fasusi's the top offensive tackle for Texas. There it is. Uh, 55 50 Plano East. That was Stony Point's only loss of the year, which that's a hell of a non-district game, guys. I gotta, I gotta be honest, Gary. The fact that you knew that off the top of your head just is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a big high school sports fan, but I did not know that Stony Point's only loss was to Plano East. Well, so, so I, I gotta give this one wasn't just me being an insomniac looking at max preps all night. This was a uh, a good friend of mine. We played, grew up down the street from each other. Uh, Jason Watts. He's on our. Uh, he's on these chats. Well, he. He referees some high school games, and he actually told me he got me tuned on, uh, tuned in to how good Stony Point was after he ref their game. Uh, so I actually just looked that up and kind of stumbled into that one. Gotcha. One point loss, man. All right, uh, we have a super chat here from George Lopez. Thank you, George. He says, "Love the content. You guys are great." But how's the list of recruits coming for the spring football game? Hokum Horns. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I I'm going to combine it April sixth. 13th, 14th, and 20th. Uh, I think those visit dates are looking good. Look, I had somebody that I've known for years in the Jacksonville, Florida area tell me Jamie French. Earlier this week, he told me Jamie French, the five-star receiver at Mandarin, one-time Alabama commitment, who I think FSU is in a pretty decent spot for. He's saying he's visiting. And um, Will that be April 6th? Will that be April 20th? We'll find out. Uh, will it be in March? But uh, I, I think it's looking good as far as Guy, how many guys are coming in? Uh, the getting the out of state guys on campus that haven't been to Austin before in March or April is imperative. It, that's the thing for me. I'm watching. Um, it's great when, um, you know, some of these guys, it, it, Tyler Thomas gets back on campus twice in April, it, KJ Lacey, but the guys who have never been on campus before, this actually starts recruitments and this tells. Blake Gideon and Steve Sarkeesian, okay, Fahim Delane's legitimate after this visit. That's why these visits are so big in the spring, because you'll know coming off the spring who schedules June official visits if Texas feels like they're really in the running for these guys nationally that they bring in. I look at a guy like Jonte Gilbert, DB corner out of Atlanta. Douglas, does he make it in in April? Pretty decent chance, we, we think. A major Preston, the four-star corner safety out of IMG, originally from Hopewell. He's coming in in mid-April. So you're starting to see these names solidify, lock in these visit weekends. They're not all going to be spring game. Texas is competing with a lot of other teams for spring game visits on the 20th. So I think Texas is looking to get these guys in anytime they can in April. So April 6th is your offensive weekend. April 4th, 13th, 14th is your defensive weekend. Then April 20th is your spring game. And I always go back to this uh, being long-winded like I usually am. Brandon Baker's recruitment with Texas really started when he was at the spring game last year. Then he made the official visit. Texas eventually won out after the Oregon love wore off over time. And it came down to Texas and Ohio State. 
So getting these guys in for the spring in April and for the spring game, one of those weekends are for the spring game is so key. And we have another super chat from Archmania. Thank you, Arch. She says, any more chatter on our new linebacker coach? How are his recruiting chops? How's linebacker recruiting shaping up for 25 and 26? Any cloudy crystal balls? Yeah, I think Texas is in a pretty good spot for Elijah Barnes right now. Um, I think they're in a pretty good spot for Riley Pettijon. Obviously, Pettijon will be at the spring game on the 20th. Elijah Barnes will be back in April. He doesn't have a date yet. I'm guessing spring game there. Um, or he didn't last time I talked to him. But I, I think linebacker recruiting is going uh, very well. Um, I The early returns on Nansen for me is he solidifies recruiting in California. I mean, he goes – he's getting into Folsom to see Josiah Sharma, who they offer. He has a lot of connections like Sark in the SoCal area, Bobby, for many years. That solidifies Sark's – footprint in Southern California in the state of California and Arizona moving forward. Two hires this, this off season, right? For Texas, a hire from the state of Georgia and Kenny Baker. So that gives them now two Georgia natives into Shard choice and Kenny Baker, a hire from California, yep. Johnny Nansen. Okay. That gives him not only himself, but also you're talking about Jeff Banks, uh, 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 Chris Jackson and yep. Sark himself. So I, I feel like what you're looking at now is a, a staff that he said, okay, I want to recruit more in the deep South with Kenny Baker. I want to recruit more in California. That, that it was pretty apparent by the hires, in my opinion. And, and, and I'll say this, let's remember we we're, we've hit on this now. Nansen recruited that Las Vegas area for many years as well, whether he's at UCLA, Arizona, or whatnot. So you could see tech in Las Vegas, there's about three schools in there that have three, four, five guys, Bishop Gorman being one of them, every year. Um, Savea was originally a SoCal kid, that, and some of those guys go over the Bishop Gorman their senior year. Savea was one of those kids. Nansen recruited him to UCLA, then Savea transferred to Arizona when, when Nansen went to Arizona. So Las Vegas, too. Uh, we're going to add that one, and I think Texas will do a little work there. And then this question here from Zane Petty. How, I think he meant how many commits by the end of August, if you had to put a number on it. I think the uh, number was, what, 14 last year? Somebody said that on the chat. 13 or 14? I, I, I'll, I'll be surprised if, we're, if Texas isn't that same number, a couple more. And then we'll do one more recruiting question, guys, then we'll jump over to some team stuff. And uh, let's do this one from – oh, I just had it. And now I lost. Oh, here we go. Henry C. Hey, guys, is Arch's younger brother being recruited to play college ball? I recalled he was playing center at Newman. Y'all know anything uh, about that? I don't he's think a walk he on at Texas. Yeah, he's a walk on at Texas. He's attending Texas, but yeah, as a walk on. Okay. Well, let's jump over to some team stuff. And uh, let's take this first one here from Tyrese. And he says, the crew over at that SEC podcast picked Texas to go 12-0 and the other day. Your thoughts, Bobby? My you thought know. is I watched part of it, and they know nothing about Texas other than what they hear. That, that's my problem with a lot of these podcasts. I mean, they, they haven't actually gone to see Texas play a football game. I'm not trying to be rude to those guys, but um, you can say anything you want. You know, anybody can say anything they want, and I'm not trying to be rude to those guys, but Texas going 12 and 0 is less than uh, less than a five percent chance of happening. 
So to predict it as your sole prediction, I think is a little, uh, it's trying to, it almost, the reason I don't like it, I'll, I'll just be blunt. I think it puts a, a target on Texas's back unnecessarily. That, that, you know, they don't need to be, oh, we're going to just dominate the SEC the first time we go in. George has got more draft picks than Texas. They've got a quarterback that's going to be a first round or two. It's not, so it's not like Texas has some outsized advantage somehow other than being at home during that game. Well, well and, and let's let, let me add that something to that. How many undefeated seasons did Nick Saban have at Alabama in 16 yeah. years? How, how, how many un, how many undefeated seasons has Texas had since Mac Brown was hired? I mean, one, one. It's hard, man. Yeah, don't don't go there. I mean, that, that's what I'm trying to get at with be, when, and I'm not trying to be mean to those guys at all uh, because I think they're well meaning. I'm sure it's just. You put that on somebody's back, and I think it's just a little uh, a little out there a little bit. Uh, this next question from David Mills. He says, how are defensive backs going to look this year? Will they be a, a strength or a? Huh. <laughs> I, this is a great question. I, look. I'm glad he put A in front of that, by the way. Well, let, let, let me ask you this. I mean, so I, I think that we we spend so much time talking about defensive tackle and that they need one more. But really, we know what Alfred Collins and uh, Vernon Broughton and who they are. The big thing with the secondary for me is what are they going to be against teams that may be a little faster than they're used to? I mean, a lot of SEC teams have really, really a lot of speed on the outside, whereas Big 12 teams tend to be more of those exacting receivers that run great routes, et cetera. You know what I mean? It, and so that's where I come in with what, what how does this secondary match up? I think they'll be better. I, yes. I don't think there's any question. Jade Barron's a year older. Malik Muhammad's a year older. Um, Terrence Brooks is a year older. Derek Williams is a year older. Andrew Makuba, a three-year starter, is a year older. That's five guys. Add in Michael Taft. Add in some of the young guys that may be coming on. Add in Gavin Holmes. I think they'll be better. Does that make them a team strength? I think that's a fair question, right? I mean, that is a fair, fair question. And, and, and it's not just the secondary for me. Uh, if the pass rush is improved, and they, it, then the secondary obviously is going to continue to look better. If Texas struggles getting to the quarterback in the SEC, the secondary is going to have some issues no matter how talented they are. That's just the that's the way of the game. The pass rush has to help the secondary. And this next question here uh, from Daniel Earp. He says, the opening line for Michigan, Michigan is at negative two and a half. Uh, how bare did Harbaugh leave their cupboard? I just think about what happened to Michigan last this year. They lost their scouting department. They lost their head coach. <laughs> They lost their defensive staff. They lost 18 guys to the combine, but they did win a national championship. Then we'll see if it gets vacated. Yeah, probably not. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Um, I mean, you they know, they lost their scouting department. Yes, they lost it all. So uh, it's a good year to play Michigan game two in the big house. I'll say that. Had Even Connor Stallion been scouting Texas a year ahead of time? Do what? Had Connor Stallions already been scouting Texas a year ahead of time? Oh, probably. You would think. 
But, but look, here, here, here's how much Michigan lost. I'm not sure Desmond Howard will even pick Michigan to beat Texas in the big house on game day. Mm. Uh, look, he didn't leave them bare, though. They've got no. four first-round projections for next yeah. year. Now, they're not as heavily stacked as they were this year, which was abnormal. To, to Jerry's point, 18 guys is a combine record. Uh, 18 guys invited to the combine from one school is a record. Uh, so they're not as stacked as this year, but it's far from bare. Um, no. The question you have is, who's going to be their quarterback, right? And is he going to really be ready to compete at a high level? I think those are that's the biggest piece. They're going to have a good defense. They're going to have a, a, a workman-like offense, which is kind of what they've been uh, over the last several years under Harbaugh. I don't think Sharon Moore is going to, to, to change that. Uh, but I can see Texas being favored. And by the way, this is why I think it's huge to play Michigan early in the season versus late. Um, like Alabama got a lot better. Last year, first year starting quarterback, game two, freshman starting at left tackle, true freshman. I think the biggest thing for Michigan, more than Harbaugh, more than Connor Stallions and all the guys they lost, was six offensive linemen to the combine and your quarterback's gone with them. That's why you want to play Michigan early in the season. They will look like a different team in week seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 than they are in week two. All right, Bobby, before we move on here, why don't you tell folks out there about Rick Valbro and Austin Underground one more time? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rick had, uh, has been helping us uh, out here at Coffee Football for quite a while. Since 2004, Austin Underground has been helping out uh, folks in the city of Austin. They've specialized in difficult underground commercial inst installations. Uh, the team's engineering background gives Austin Underground the ability to perform, perform work other firms often consider just too risk risky. Rick Valbro and his team offer an end-to-end -end seamless client experience, including communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work each and every time. That's Austin Underground. If you have a project going on and want to get a bid, uh, reach out to Austin Underground. Uh, the guys over there do a terrific job. And we want to thank Ray, Ray, Randy Johnson with the best comment of the day. I need to take it to heart. What is that? Yeah, I can't find it. A 916. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and this is Dr. Randy Johnson that killed the pigeon with the 98-mile-hour <laughs> in Arizona in spring practice. I don't think. I hope it is uh, because Randy's going to come on the show if that's him. But, uh, yes, I need. I think that's a, a, the best comment of the day, and I, did, I need to read that 50 times and put it to use. <laughs> you can print it out. Put it on your – yeah, eight, 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 eight ounce glasses, right? A day is that pretty much it? Something like Whatever that. Yeah. Is zero far behind that? That's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> no soda, Jerry. No soda. <laughs> better than what I'm drinking Coke. So better, better than what I'm drinking. Hey, Blake had Red Bull and chocolate milk for breakfast one day. It <laughs> still blows my mind. I can't gain a pound. <laughs> Oh, all right. David Williams says, I think Derek Williams will be good talent-wise. Texas absolutely has to find a free safety with athleticism that understands coverage. I really hope that's me. If it is, Texas is set. So my question to you guys is, what do you expect out of Xavier Filsamy this first year? 
I expect him to be a guy that, that finds some time in the secondary. I don't expect him to be a focal point. I don't even know if he's going to see as much time as Derek Williams. Because don't forget, I mean, Andrew McCuba is going to play safety now, it looks like. Yeah. Either he or Jade Barron. So that takes away some reps. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, I think that, look, what is it? What is spring ball now? 28 days away? 27? What What's the number? 26. I mean, yep. 26. Yeah. So my point being, we'll, we'll see what he looks like in the spring. Um, and, and probably go off of our projections from there. He is one of the players that continues to be mentioned behind the scenes as being very good. And so given that I want to, I want to really understand where, where things are headed. I, so I, here's the, here's the way I look at Phil Samee. Physicality athleticism he's going to match up with any safety texas has and he may be test better than all of them after a few weeks with tory beckton it's all going to come down to picking up system and not feeling like you're mechanical if he just has freedom to play with his athleticism and his physicality if he picks it up fast this spring and heads into august with freedom as a player watch out for him I'm not saying he's going to break through and be a starter, but I go back to – I rewatched Sark's press conference from February on signing day, the second signing day, which didn't matter to Texas. They had nobody. Uh, but he was talking about playing more young guys, just a few snaps to really build the depth at it with, their, with their plan of having a longer season, going to a 12-team playoff. So I think you are going to see more of these guys at least get their feet wet now, if a guy like Phil Samee, if he gets the mental side of it and he just goes out and plays with freedom with the talent he has, he's gonna he, that guy's gonna force his way into the field in some capacity. And but then, somebody asked if Bobby's gonna play the new NCAA football game. I'll go ahead and answer that for Bobby. No. Oh, I am. I am oh, gonna play it. Good. Yeah, my son's my son's talking me into it a little bit. Oh, good. I like that. <laughs> so I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna do a live stream with Bobby playing it. Uh now that's gonna be a little weak. We should have a tournament. Bingle or CJ Vogel on this stuff. Rod, Rod Babers, apparently, by the way, oh, he'll play. is the dude on the NCAA football. He he played it back in the day when that's all they did for their spare time at night. Right. You know, they would they would go watch real film and then go play NCAA football <laughs> in their dorm room. That's the guy you don't want to play in that game. I can tell you. That's that's like practice at a level that we don't want to play. I'm telling you, we should have an on-Texas football tournament when it comes out. I like uh, we have a, another super chat, this one from George Lopez. Thank you again, George, for this other super chat. He says, what's the latest on the defensive line room looking like during the off-season workouts? Um, I, I look, I think that Savea is getting up to speed right now. That's number one. Number two, Collins has, has – uh, people are saying he's coming on a little bit. I, I, I hesitate with that. And the reason I hesitate with that is they're going to immediately say, oh, he's coming on like Tavondre Sweat. Uh, I think that's probably not the case. You know what I mean? There, there's a little bit of a level there. Um, and then obviously, uh, Sadir Mitchell, Jerry, you heard some good things about him. That's the one that everybody has circled, dotted, exclamation point next to it. What he does and how he progresses could be key to this team in 2024. 
And the other one for me that, you know, there's two guys on the D-line that I think need to take big steps. Uh, if Texas is going to maximize what they currently have. Sadir Mitchell's the number one. I think Bledsoe is on that list. He was up to 287 pounds late in the season. I'm interested to see where he's actually at uh, starting spring practice here in 26 days. If if he's in the 290s, uh, that, that's pretty good for him because pound for pound, he's still the best athlete uh, in the program in my estimation. So if he's starting to carry that weight, uh, he got set back because he had that hernia surgery midway through spring practice when he got to Texas. So that really set him back. Um, but it's taken him a while to get over that 285 area. If he's in that 295 range, I think that changes him as a player a, a little bit, just continuing to get stronger uh, headed into a, a, a bigger bully conference on the lines. All right. We got time for just a couple more questions here. Uh, and you, Bobby, you talked about this when we opened the show. So for those that are just tuning in, we'll kind of go back over it again. But King Me says, what are the positive impact, impacts, I guess I should say, of Chris Gilbert's return to Texas? So um, the biggest thing for me, look, Texas elevated Brandon Harris, Taylor Searles, et cetera, in the recruiting department. Uh, Brandon became general manager, Taylor, director of recruiting, I believe. Um, I, my My thought on this is, when you lose someone like Billy Glasscock, who has 20 years experience in college football, you need to bring in another guy that has that level of experience in football to pair with Brandon Harris. And I think that's some of what Sark is doing, although Gilbert is doing it in a different way because he's he's going to be a special assistant to the head coach. But there's no doubt that one of his primary responsibilities he used to be the director of high school relations for Texas. Now he's coming back from North Texas. I think one of his primary jobs is going to be involved in recruiting. And it should be. He's an excellent communicator, an excellent connector of people. Uh, Jerry and I talked about this offline. I, I mean, he knows everybody around the state. He knows the players. He knows some parents uh, from his time. I mean, he's a, he played at South Oak Cliff, right, in high school. He was coach at Lancaster. He knows the background of so many of these guys. Um, and so I feel like what he does is bolsters uh, the off-field off roster of Texas to have another guy. Jamal Finner is not going anywhere. He's still the director of high school relations for Texas, the former LBJ coach. But it gives them another guy that I think they can lean on a little bit. And you're going to need to. I mean, the thing that I wrote this morning is a, a football team is not just about the head coach and the players. It's about everybody. I mean, everybody collectively creating better. And one thing about Sark that I think we all like and, and really are excited about is how he's building the roster on a continual basis. Well, you don't want that to get off the tracks just because you lost Billy Glasscock to Ole Miss. You want to continue that on. And with Gilbert, what he allows you to do is not miss a step because he's been here a year before. I mean, he knows how the sausage is made. And so, he, it, you know, recruiting next month takes on an increased value because people start getting to come back to campus. Well, Chris Gilbert, you're not going to have to wait a month for him to get up to speed. He's going to move his stuff in and he's going to be ready to go. And so... I feel like that is a huge feather in Sark's cap uh, to be able to get him away from, from North Texas. 
to pursue him and get him back to Austin. Hey, Blake, I've seen everybody talking about all the video games they grew up playing. It made me think, I grew up on electric football. And for those, for those of you young guys and gals that never have seen or played electric football, this is what it looks like. Todd Orlando's defense at Texas. <laughs> you have no no shame, Jerry Hamilton. No shame. Oh, Lincoln Riley thought that's what Texas defense looked like under Todd Orlando. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to you, dude. You know, look uh, – I play. I grew up on Atari. That was mine. And the, and then the uh, handheld football game with the white. I don't know. Was it Mattel or whatever it was? There it is. That was that was all good. I I spent a lot of time on that one. Had absolutely nothing to do with football, by the way. I mean, <laughs> I mean, literally nothing to do with football. Oh, all right, y'all. We're going to do two more here, and we're going to start with this super chat from Edmund Lee. He says, great show again. Jerry opened the doors. Will the logo shirts be ready by spring game, 26 <laughs> days away? Hook them horns. Jerry's putting you on the spot. <laughs> Bobby's not answering. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, no, it's you. I mean, I don't know when they're going to be available. Yeah, well, I, I think... haven't, we haven't done. We haven't decided on what work we're going to sell, if we're going to sell anything. That sort of stuff. I mean, we're we're just now getting started with ontexasfootball.com as well as uh, what we're going to do here. But uh, look, I mean, we're going to eventually probably do that. Uh, right now, we're working with some folks like 40 Acres Collection uh, and those kind of guys that have, have provided us with some gear, uh, et cetera. But my, my take on it is we'll figure out all the stuff, Edmund, and get it, get it going. I do want to have and focus on a party for the spring game. I know that uh, for everybody that wants to join. Uh, and then Zane Petty says, uh, what position will Warren Roberson start out in the spring? Started at corner. Um, I, I think. I mean, that's that's where he was. Some people think he might move to, to nickel, but I think Jalen Gilbo and Austin Jordan, unless they move, I don't see them. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's one of those deals where I, I feel like he could be a nickel or a corner. But I think they want to try him at corner because I think they like his fight a little bit out there. And I lied, we're going to do one more. Uh, <laughs> Joe says, Ohio State hasn't beaten Michigan in three years. How is Texas supposed to beat them? This is what we'll close with. Well, I, I think it's all about – sometimes it's about catching teams at the right time. Uh, you know, when Texas went out, we talked about this leading into the Bama game last year. You're you're going to play Bam on the road at a great time. That Jalen Milrow was a first-year starting quarterback. They were going to be a little younger on the spots on the offensive line. They didn't have overwhelming talent on offense to where they where you walked in the stadium and said, "Man, I mean, we don't score 45 like LSU in 2019. We're not winning this game." I mean, Alabama wasn't there at the end of the Saban era. He's still the still the best coach ever. He got that team to the playoffs offensively they just couldn't overwhelm you and so you go in game two in the ann arbor and you know i jokingly said it earlier but i mean they've lost about everybody you know they lost head coach they lost their defensive staff um they did lose their scouting department it, no matter if you want to joke about it or not they lost 18 guys to the combine six offensive linemen somebody who didn't even start going to the combine so they have a new offensive line a new quarterback 
I've jokingly said it before. Colton Loveland's going to be looking around in the huddle and saying, I don't know all these guys. Who are these guys? Like everybody he was in the huddle with when you do huddles gone. Um, so Blake Corum, all of them. So it's a start from scratch offense and you get them early in the season. Look, Ohio State and Michigan play late in the year when they're all when they should be playing their best football. Texas plays Michigan with a new coaching staff, with a new quarterback, a new offensive line coming off a national championship, by the way, uh, game two. I just like where that sits on the schedule. New def- new defensive staff entirely. Yep. I, I, I would say this. There is something about – like I don't think Michigan-Ohio State – I thought Michigan was the better team this year than Ohio State. Agree. The two previous years, I will tell you, the Connor Stallion things absolutely had a, an impact. I, I really believe that because – Michigan looked like they knew the play ahead of time in those two years. And I don't begrudge them the national championship. I'm not so sure that that their activities didn't contribute heavily to their wins uh, the previous two years against the Buckeyes. By the way, and I will say, if you think that Ohio State's going to try to beat them 50 to nothing this year. Yes. I'm just – and Ohio State may have the personnel to do it. So. If, if you want to – for those that are wondering how bad was it that at Michigan's with Connor Stallions, name the people that have come to their, the Jim Harbaugh's defense other than his best friend who's coaching at Charlotte. Go ahead and name them. They all said it's ridiculous. They never even heard him. It was bad. And it was – that's why – I mean, anyways – Bad stuff. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Coffee and Football. And we want to thank Rick Balbro and Austin Underground for sponsoring along uh, with Factor. My mind went blank there for a second. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to head on over to ontexasfootball.com and uh, join in the conversation. Lots of good stuff going on over there. Plus everything that Jerry and CJ have been bringing recruiting-wise. So don't miss that. And then be sure to... Stay tuned. If you haven't already, we'll subscribe and then ring the bell so you're notified anytime we go live or post a video right here on the On Texas Football YouTube channel as well. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook up.